to an IG account, bridging right. the gap account. Do I need it? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Let me go check out the IG account and see what's going on. Man, I'm glad you brought this to my attention, Ethan. I am really glad. So last week we talked about. Uh, well, first of all, let me not where are my manners. Hello, um, this is Bridging the Gap podcast. We're back. What's this episode five? We're moving along nicely there. You know, five rings here. Um, I'm Coach Coach Ryan for everybody here in the UAE. Yates for everybody back home. I'm here with my OG. JK, Jupac, Julian King, Grump Almighty, um, Sir Talk A Lot, whatever you want to call him. What's up, OG? What's up, man? You you can say I'm <laughs> Sir Talk A Lot, but you're the one starting the podcast, talking the most through the podcast, and then you're ending the podcast. Man, listen, that's for one hour. They don't know you <laughs> like I know you, man. That's that's tough. But but let's let's get right into it. Well, first, how are you feeling? You feeling all right today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You looking lighter, man. You just came from the gym. Yeah. Listen, man. I'm I'm getting my mojo back. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm getting back in the gym. Yeah. I, I saw you breaking a heavy sweat the other night. We went in for a late night workout, and I was like, oh yeah, he working. Somebody pissed him off because he had to get the sweat going. That's cool. I'm feeling good myself too. Um, the weather is beautiful. I know back home everybody's got a little. It's a little chilly. <laughs> Some places it's starting to get real cold. It's beautiful right here, um, so I, I'm appreciating this time. But I mean, I have a I have a little issue with everybody that's following our uh, our Instagram page. So, as always, you guys, you can follow us at Bridging the Gap underscore on Instagram. Um, also at Hoop Mountain DXB for all things basketball, for training, for camps, anything. That's where we are. But let's let's get right to this. Um, our intern. Ethan, you know, he was at our last hoop session, as he is at all of them. And, you know, he posted the first time that we played, he posted a little poll to see who thought who was getting the best of who that night. And as I said, last week, it was the first week, it was 67% thought you won the most games. And 33% thought that I got the most, right? They were wrong the first week. And then I came back, maybe episode four or something like that. And, you know, after after cleaning you guys up, like, man, cleaning you guys up. And I still don't have my mojo, right? And I look at the poll. I forgot all about the poll for the last week. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my hood on, feet crossed, chilling, because I'm just feeling good. I can see the, the anguish on Coach's face after taking L's. I'm talking about the L's are so bad, he had to pull his team to the side at the end of the meeting, right? At the end of practice, at the end of the workout, he had to pull his four or five guys to the side and give them an extra pep talk because he knew, right? So I look at the poll, and it's 59% thinking you won, 41% thinking I won. It's better than last week, but I see some of my friends. <laughs> I see some people close to us like, are you guys crazy? No, L's. No, they're not crazy. Man. They're thinking logically. They're thinking, they're forgetting sometimes that we don't have one-on-one -on -one matchups in those games. <laughs> now, we got intern Ethan here, the guy who forgot to push the button last week. <laughs> and, and came late today. Came late today. Yeah. And also, 
averaged about eight turnovers a game during the pickup runs last week. That's your fault. And so a lot of that, a lot of those L's that we took were based on other guys on my team. And, and remember, we're still coaching. We're still teaching. Wow. But we're going to settle this next wow. week because we're going to make sure at the end of the run, Coach Ryan and myself, we will play one-on-one. For sure. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm just, first of all, I don't want for everybody out there listening, any coaches, any players, don't do what coaches did and place the blame on somebody else. All right? If you play on my team and you have just two turnovers in a row, we're going to make an adjustment. You know, we're going to make an adjustment. I'm not going to watch you make eight turnovers. You know, we're going to, I'm going to coach you, but I'm going to coach you so I can still win. You know, we're going to make this change. So, and we talk about one-on-one matchups. Coach didn't want to guard me. He didn't want to guard me. But is it, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. Four dribbles, you know, four dribbles. And again, this is, this is not 17-year-old Yates anymore, you know. I got it. So that's yeah, eleven you, year you're, difference. You're, you're, you're a little, you're a lot older now. Yeah, I'm about to introduce you to post cereal <laughs> though. You're about to see what's up. We're gonna, yeah. This is the real deal here. I don't it won't be any coaching. It's one on one. It won't be any double teams. Any of that stuff. You'll you'll get the full effect this time. Oh, oh you trying to go uh, hook shot on me? You, you, just, you can't jump no more yeah. either. So you'll know what it is. Hey, I'm just saying we got a long work week too, man. Don't go too hard because you know I know your hip gonna be hurting and stuff. I want you to go through the week cool because we don't have physical therapists out here to help. Let's go, man. Let's go. The public has spoken. (laughs) They don't know. I'm just saying, like somebody else right now, not conceived. Let's go. (laughs) Letting you guys know now we're going to get to it. But we may have some footage from that, though. So if you guys want to see who gets a win for real, you know, we might, if if Ethan doesn't mess up again, we might have some footage for you guys next week. Um, But man, hot topic NBA. NBA trade news. Um, you know the draft was was last night. Um, by the time the podcast drops, it'll be um, probably thirty more trades or something else. You know me. I'm happy with Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers. I'm happy with that immensely. You know that gives us a lot of security because Rondo's probably going to be gone. Um, we get some youth. You know, that's a guy that averaged almost like 18, 19 points off the bench, can create. He's a better defender than he was before. Like, I love it. I love it. You know, you're always uh, advocating for the Lakers, of course, but I I will agree with you this time. That is a great pickup for the Lakers. Uh, If you're going to lose Rondo and you replace him with uh, Schroeder, that's definitely uh, a good situation. Scoring punch off the bench, really good defender. And he's smarter today mm-hmm. than he was a couple years ago yeah, yeah. and knows how to manage a team. Mm-hmm. And if that if that's your backup point guard, Man. you're in a good space. <laughs> yes, yes. That tempo we can keep up and keep going, that's going to be great. Um, and we make a few more moves, you know, get a, get a solid floor, floor, like maybe Serge or somebody to slide in there. Um, I ideally would want to see Jeremy Grant, ideally, but – but that'll be some money. That'll cost right. us some money because he did opt out. But, you know, I'm interested to see what we do because we don't really make those moves in, in the draft. We do that in free agency because we're win-down type teams. But, I mean, other teams are making noise too. Of course, everybody saw that uh, Chris Paul is now a, a son, um, which is – I think that right there is huge. I think that's huge. Uh, they traded – the Suns traded Ricky Rubio – Ty Jerome, 
Um, Kelly Oubre and another pick. And then Ricky Rubio was ended up traded again from OKC to, to Minnesota. But, man, I love Chris Paul paired up with, with young studs like uh, Book and Aiden. He definitely – that's a major, major upgrade for the Suns, considering what Chris Paul just did with OKC. Um, you think about Chris Paul in the backcourt with um, – Booker, that's going to open up his game even more. So now he doesn't have to worry about the ball handling responsibilities. Uh, you know, it's, it's like I say, it's a great pickup for the Suns, and they immediately, you know, go from being knocking on the door to the playoffs to definitely being in the playoffs. But for me, just as a Chris Paul fan, I wish he had gone to a team that was a little bit further along because mm-hmm. I want him to contend for a title. See, we're going to come back to that because – you know, I feel a certain way about Chris Paul, too. Like, that's one of my favorites. Um, we're going to come back to that because he deserves a few minutes of our focus. Um, DeMar DeRozan opts in with San Antonio, so he takes in that 27-mil player option. Now, do you think that's because he's staying, or do you think that potentially there will be a trade coming soon to where, you know, now that he's locked in and they know that, then they can, you know, shop him elsewhere? Because, you know, you put DeMar DeRozan in a lot of places, Brooklyn, you know, like, you know, he matches up well there, um, you know. He fits in a lot of places because uh, he's not a guy that has to have the ball in his hands mm-hmm. all the time, and he's, and he's still a solid defender. But him signing this extension, this just means that um, um, there's a deal in the works down the road for him that he's agreed to, and uh, this, they just want to make sure that they get him locked up and so that, you know, they go into the season – and they don't have to worry about him. But he's, he's, his time in San Antonio has probably run out, though. Yeah, yeah. Understandably so, too. I think, um, I think this time in San Antonio also gave him a few more years on his career. For sure, for yeah, sure. I think he learned a new way. Definitely learned how to play um, a little more off the ball, so to speak, and, then, and value some of the other aspects of the game mm-hmm. and, instead of just putting the ball in the hole. Yeah, a much better playmaker. So... There was a proposed signing trade deal for Bogdan Bogdanovich from Sacramento, for DiVincenzo, Lusueva, and uh, and Wilson from Milwaukee. But then I woke up, woke up and saw that the trade may have fallen all the way through. And we were talking about how Drew Holiday, of course, was traded from New Orleans to Milwaukee for Bledsoe Hill and like a a whole bunch of draft picks. And they were like, okay, the starting five looking pretty good. Right. For Milwaukee, at least people were saying, I'm still looking like the East is picking up. I don't, <laughs> I don't think uh, Drew Holiday and and um, Bogdan is gonna put you over any type of ledge. Like, eh, that's cute, but it's not enough, not at all. But now you only got Drew Holiday, and the other trades not together. Like, hmm. Yeah, you, you your management for the Bucks, you gotta be a little worried right now because, uh, like you said, even if the trade had gone through. You can talk about Milwaukee a little bit more, but considering Brooklyn's in the house, um, and you know, and, and the Celtics. Philly's, Philly's changing, Celtics still there. Yeah. It's not you're not over the top, and uh, with their trade not going through, you have to wonder what the freak is going to do now. Listen, man, I that's going to be tough. Like Milwaukee may never recover if he has to go. <laughs> All I say is that. You know, I heard Stephen A. talk about it. They better make sure they get something for him. Like, right. if he just walks with nothing on his own, 
they'll never recover from that. Not that type of talent. Um, but getting Drew Holiday is big, though. Getting Drew is big. If they if they compare it to another, they compare them with another, you know, small forward that's dynamic or some sort like Bogdan is, then they make some noise. Their bench has to get a little bit better. But Drew Holiday's a good pickup. Drew Holiday's a real good pickup. Then we have uh, Robert Covington going to Portland. Is that Portland? For Trevor Ariza. And then Trevor Ariza got traded from Houston to Detroit again. So he's moving around a little bit. But that Robert Covington pick for Portland is solid. That's there. a big pickup. Especially because Rodney Hood, is um, he opted out of that player option too. So I think he's going into free agency. And Covington, Covington would give Portland a little more toughness, mm-hmm. you know, at, at – on that wing spot, mm-hmm. you know, three um, and D two, and he's younger yeah. than Ariza. Yeah, Ariza, I mean, a really good player, but he's on, you know, he's on his last yeah. days. You know? Yeah. So now that opens up some room to sign Melo, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they need to keep him yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Now, I'm sure he wants to stay there unless the Lakers come calling. Melo's been quiet too. <laughs> Melo has been quiet. That he's been real quiet. Speaking of Lakers. I should mention too. I want to see Boogie back in that Laker go. I want to see Boogie back. But um, oh, it's a big one right here. And we talked about Elton Brand having to make some moves because there was some questionable things going on. But they got rid of that big contract of Al Horford, and they sent him to OKC, and OKC trades Danny Green, which is a big pickup for them, right? They picked up Danny Green and they picked up Seth Curry as well. So that's a that's two two shooters. Two shooters, yeah. I hesitate to call Danny Green a shooter, but I got to put some respect on there because he's done it before. But after last season, who knows? But they picked up Seth Curry and Danny Green. You First, let's give Danny uh, Green a little more respect. And you should because he's a Carolina kid. That's That's – you know, you you uh, follow the Tar Heels. We've seen him put the ball in the hole in big time spots, just like any other shooter. He just had a a bad stretch. What, see, look, this is where you you moving the goalposts. Because last week when I beat you four games out of the six and you won the last game, you told me you're only as good as your last game. Do you remember Danny Green's last games? <laughs> I do. I don't want to remember that, <laughs> That's what but I'm I do. But he's not washed. He, not yet. I ain't say that yet. He's close. New environment. He's close. New system. Um, chance to redeem himself because he heard all the talk. Yeah, he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. But that that Steph Curry though. Let's talk about let, break in break that down. That Steph Curry pickup. Now that that was that's really huge for them because he's a guy. Not only can he stroke it off catch and shoot, but he can create a shot for himself. Mm-hmm. A little bit younger, more energetic, gets after it on defense. Uh, of course, he can improve a little bit, but he does attempt to play defense and, um, and play hard. And, and that's going to be a change of tempo guy for the Sixers uh, and, and possibly another ball handler in some, in some tight moments. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Especially be- And, you know, you reunite, reunite family because he right. is um, – he is the, the son-in-law of Doc Rivers. That is right. Right, right. Do you remember that the little bit of uh, spiciness between <laughs> uh, playoff P and yeah. Seth when they played the Mavericks? Um, yeah. that's, it's going to be interesting. And, again, the draft night was last night. We were recording the day after. So, you know, there's going to be more. There's going to be so much more. I'm just interested to see 
what some of those other teams that have been quiet start to do. All right. So speaking of that draft night, top three picks last night. Number one, we had Anthony Edwards go to Minnesota. Okay. Number two, we had James Wiseman go to Golden State. And then for number three, we had that man, Mr. Box Office, LaMelo Ball, Ball. go to the Hornets. Let's start with, and we're only going to talk about the top three picks because let's be honest. The rest, the rest of the draft is just a wait and see type thing, right? right. These first three picks are what people are really going to want to see make a change and impact. And it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be. It should be anybody that's a lottery pick, which is what one through thirteen. Yeah, one through thirteen. Or 14. One through thirteen. Most of those guys should have some type of positive impact on their team the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be a in a starting starting role, or whatever, but you should be able to come in and play quality minutes um, in whatever role that your coach has you in. But, you know, we will focus on the top three. One is the pandemic kind of took the luster out of the uh, the draft. Yeah, you know? that whole energy was different. Last year, kids yeah. crying. Yeah. You know, parents really get to experience that moment. Like, you had, I think, was it John Morant cry, right. R.J. Barrett, and Zion? <laughs> yeah. Like, that yeah. that feeling of emotion, man. I think we, I, we did see one thing where Kenyon Martin Jr. got picked up by the Rockets. Okay. And, you know, he got to share that moment with his dad, with his pops. But the allure just wasn't there as usual. And you know the draft is one of the, the most important nights for all of us that right. aspire to be basketball stars. And just the, just the whole circus around it usually. You know, we get to – see the guys leading up to the draft, see the workouts and things. And, you know, we didn't even get a chance to see them in the NCAA tournament. And that's how, that's how you know, all of America gets a chance to see these guys outside of their region um, and see what all the hype was about. Yeah. And, you know, we just didn't get a chance to see anybody and anybody new and fall in love with them. So this, this draft uh, was a little down this year. And, and not to mention, you know, we're nine hours ahead. So yeah. I definitely didn't stay up late to see this. We don't one. even get to see basketball stuff. But we do know a little bit. I think one interesting caveat about this year is that because there was no basketball for so many months, I think it's a, it was an interesting time for those kids to develop their bodies to become NBA bodies, right? right. Like you see a lot of stories we're talking about kids well, young men, they put on 15 pounds, 20 pounds, and all those things. Some, some of those things don't happen until the first offseason, right? Because you talk about March Madness, that goes on, and then maybe a few months later, you got to get in the combine and thing. Now, a lot of those guys had time to work on their bodies and, and get that together. Right. So that'll be interesting to see who took advantage. You're, yeah, you're right. I'll say probably the thing that helped them more is that with this COVID situation, you can't get out as much as you used to. True. So that True. allows you more time to say, you know what, let me get in the gym. Let me, yeah. let me get up. to the lab and get everything tightened up. What do you think? Anthony Edwards had an interesting comment about how he doesn't watch basketball at all. Right? Doesn't watch basketball. He doesn't watch it. Listen, listen, listen. This is, and we, we talk about this all the time, but <laughs> he doesn't watch basketball at all. He said that he'd rather watch football and that football is his first love. I think he might have said too that I'm paraphrasing that if he if he had a choice to go play football tomorrow he would. He would go play, right? And um, you know, he, he loves it. He said, yeah, that's what I do, but you know, I'm not really into it. That yeah. would scare me a little bit. Generationally, right? I think I saw Vince Carter talk on 
the jump on one of those ESPN shows, and Vince Carter said, you know, I just finished my career with the Atlanta Hawks where I played with a bunch of those young guys. And as soon as they get off the court, they go right to Netflix, right to video games, right to all of those things. They don't really watch basketball. So I don't think that it's right now it's not an issue because when he gets between those lines, you see what he does. Well, it, it's still scary just because he's been successful in college. He's been, I mean, of course, he's yeah. number one pick, whatever, and he's, he was always one of the top players in college. But what happens when he gets to the NBA and it's game 32 and he gets into a rookie rut where it's nine, ten games in a row where it just it ain't going into the hole um, you can't do anything right. You're missing assignments defensively. You're forgetting some of the plays. Um, what happens then? You know, is your coaching staff going to come in to you and say, hey, you know, we need you to dedicate more time to game film and, and prep, things like that. And for a guy like that, being number one pick, three years, four years guaranteed, is he going to go into a shell and say, you know, I don't really want to do this anyway. Now that Now that the now that the upside has slowed down a little bit, you know, so that stuff scares you a little bit if you're a management uh, for a team. He's so young, though, for me. At first, I remember talking to my guys. I was like, uh-oh, Anthony Bennett vibes. <laughs> we get nervous here. I, but I think with him, because you see he plays hard. He can get better, and he's really young. But a part of basketball and being a professional is learning how to be a professional. Yep. So you talk about having those vets around, young guys like that. So once you get there, like when you get on any job, you got onboarding, right? You got you got to be trained. Somebody has to show you how to do those things. So I think he has the tools, right? So that's enough. Now you just got to hope that he gets enough guidance from coaching staff, some vets around there, because he's in Minnesota. Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said – you need some guidance, right? On the job I know, training. I know, but you so, also has you also have your agents. You also got. I think he's part of he's part of Clutch, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, unlike other places, I, I think Rich Paul is going to give him something. I think Rich Paul is going to be there trying to help get him on on the yeah. court, getting stuff together. I can see that yeah. being a little bit more hands on with those things. But you know, agents are good. Yeah. But David Falk back in the day, you know, Rich Paul now. Those guys can't help you on that court. Yes. You know, and that's just, you know, even if they bring in some people to that were your trainers and mm-hmm. or former coaches, they're not the actual coaching staff. So you know what those guys can help you with? Yeah. Help you with staying positive, trying to be a professional in and around the team. Mm-hmm. And then we start talking about your next destination. Right. <laughs> true, true, true. And then number two, we got James Wiseman. James Wiseman in the Golden State. That's a big, that's, that's a, big a dynamic that they haven't had yeah. at all. I, right. They had Bogut and they had uh, Fessus Azili and all those guys. But this young guy, they said, did they say it was like a little bit of a Chris Bosch type of touch from outside? Yeah. But he's aggressive. He's a horse. He can be a monster. I like it. He can I like be a it monster. With those two. And he fits the Golden State mold because, you know, it's, it's hot potato basketball where they, they, they're moving it around. And they've had good big men before, like you mentioned, but they've never had big men that could do what he does. It's dynamic athlete. On both ends. Mm-hmm. And, and that's right now with 
Clay Thompson reportedly having a lower leg, a, a right leg injury. Well, first and foremost, man, we hope that he is okay. Yes. The league needs him. They need the Splash Brothers. Steph needs the Splash Brothers. We want Clay to be healthy. We need that. I want Draymond my... needs you, Clay. Yes, Draymond needs you. I mean, Steph is going to need him a lot too. Like that's for sure. Especially having to guard some of those other wings, and and I don't want my our back to back re uh, championship banners to be questioned again because Clay wasn't playing. I want us to smoke the Warriors too. Right. But I also want that competition. Seeing Clay play is just big time. But he has that lower right leg injury or that yeah. that right leg injury. I don't know if it's lower or not. That's concerning. Yeah. We hope that it's just uh, a minor strain or something, but uh, you just never know because, um, you know, it could be overcompensation or you just yeah. don't know, you know, and, and with them not with them not saying anything right now, mm-hmm. that doesn't, that's normally mm-hmm. not a good sign. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Hopefully he's okay. But with that, let's say Steph does come back all healthy. He's good. Maybe he has to miss a month or so, um, but it's just a strain. Not, nothing bad. That's not a bad team over there in Golden State. And you put a young horse in the middle of that, that's a whole new energy that they haven't had. You know, I still like our chances for sure, but I think teams like like the Clippers got to be worried. You know, the Rockets aren't going to be what they were before ever again. And then you got, you know, the Nuggets and Utah. Suns now. Sun, yeah, and we're going we're gonna to get to the Suns next, but <laughs> – you know, that's different now. That's a whole different different race. And I'm not convinced about the Clippers. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm still not. And I won't be. I won't be. Well, did, well they never. They haven't um, filled their need for a point guard yet, right? No. They just picked up Luke Kennard. Okay. <laughs> he's not. He's, he's, he's solid. He's a good pickup. But, but geez, they need a point guard. Yeah. If Rondo goes there, that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. This, just the fact that he had, because Rondo is that type of guy to just have the anguish to be like, I, I did it in Boston. I did it with the Lakers. Yeah. Now I'm going to go to the Clippers. Like That's a that's a Hall of Fame type of career, too, yeah. on top of that. Yeah. If he does it, it wouldn't surprise me. No, not at all. Not at all. But let's get to my, oh, number three. MJ. Is this MJ's best pick ever as a uh, the off, front office guy? LaMelo Ball, baby. Box office. It definitely is his best pick ever, but it's basically he had no choice. Right. Because I'm sure if the, if the if this year's draft had two more guys that could have been in that top three, mm. the the Hornets would have found a way to screw that up. True. You know, MJ's you know probably the all time greatest player of all, but his his picks as a as a general manager and owner have been very very questionable. Kwame um, Brown. <laughs> I still I still give him a pass on that one only because every GM in the league would have taken that kid because he was the number one player coming out. I, I guess. I guess. And it just the only issue is and we're going to go back to your hometown, Washington Wizards. If he had gone anywhere besides them, he may have been OK. Probably, <laughs> probably, 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 probably. But let's get to something heavy here. And, we'll, and LaMelo and all those guys, I'm sure we have more to talk about with them in the future. Those are bright stars. Congratulations to everybody that got drafted, everybody that went undrafted and then got signed afterwards because there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a day we all dream of as players. But CP3 to the Suns. And I like to – CP3 is somebody that we're going to champion a lot. It may come up once every – 
couple, three or four episodes, but CP3 is a guy that he may be top two point guards of all time. It's Magic and it's him, right? And he's not, he doesn't get that type of respect daily as he does. You know, we're watching analysts, casual fans. I don't think they truly understand how great and how special Chris Paul is, mainly because the point guard position is kind of um, extinct to an extent, at least the way that he plays it, how like tactical and how smart that he is with it, the full general that he is. But him to the Suns, King. That's first, you know, I want to piggyback on what you said about Chris Paul not getting the respect that he deserves um, sometimes. He definitely is one of the top point guards of NBA history. That's just no question. You know, let's not talk about whether he's won a uh, championship or not. Uh, when you're a smaller guard, particularly a point guard, a lot of times your championship hopes don't ride on you solely. Man. And we, we know that had it not been for a few injuries here and there, Chris Paul may be seen in a different light these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, why did he have some of those injuries? You know, maybe because overuse, because people ran him into the ground a little too much, um, because he's, he's a guy that you have to have on the floor. And, uh, but he's, he's what you want in a, in a point guard. He's a leader on and off the court. He's a culture changer, you know, and, and when I say changer, he's changing it to the right way. Um, everybody's going to play hard. Everybody's going to play smart. Uh, everybody's going to play together. And everybody's going to play to their strengths. And he makes sure you get the ball in the best spots to be successful. He's strapping up on the other team's point guard, whether you get 25 or 25 a night. And he'll take on any challenge. And uh, he definitely, definitely deserves to be spoken of in terms of the best players in the league. And um, he's going to change, he's gonna change the, the, the production of Booker right Man, off the bat. I think Booker might lead the league in scoring next year, like for sure. For him, he already had to carry so much so young and was getting it done. Now, if you put him – and I – and I hesitated to say this. I think we talked about this in the car. I don't think there's a two-guard better. And we talk about that list of, of scorers, best scorers in the league. And when we talk about scoring, when it's a basketball conversation, we don't just talk about putting the ball in the hole, right? Because there are a lot of basketball players that have come and go and that will come that can put the ball in the basket. But it's the way you score. Everybody, a lot of people can make music, but it's the way you make your music. It's the extra instrumentation you put in, how easy you can do it. Now, a guy like Book, any way, anyhow, how you want it, coach. You want me to sit on a post? You want me to use pick and roll? You want me to be Reggie Miller and run around screens? You want me to spot up over here? You want me to finish left hand, right hand? Let me finish around. Let me finish over the top. <laughs> All that. And he's young. All that. He's young, like 23 or something like that. Man. So I, him and DeAndre Aiden, I disguised the limit up there. Right. But you, you painted a picture for me last night about why CP3 is so great. And you were talking about, the, you said, 
only Magic Johnson and him can orchestrate the way they orchestrate it. But paint that picture for the people, the way you painted for me yesterday. Because thinking about it, I'm still trying to figure out if I've ever seen anybody else do it, and I, and I haven't. Well, we were we were talking about orchestrating the game in terms of putting people in their spots while you're actually on the floor handling the ball with somebody on your hip guarding you. And we and I mentioned uh, Gary Payton mm -hmm. and Magic, that they could do it because they talked all the time. But for those of you that don't know, Magic was 6'9", Gary Payton 6'4", 6'5", and those guys would turn and put you on their hip. And so while they have you on their hip, they got their head on a swivel and they can see over the top and put people in their spaces. Well, Chris Paul doesn't have that height. So Chris Paul is still doing the same thing these guys are doing, except he's handling the rock right in front of you and you can't take it from him. And, you know, I just haven't seen anybody else do that ever. Mm -hmm. And he's done it consistently. And even though as he's getting a little older, he's still able to do it and get a bucket. Yes. When the league right now, the hardest position to play because they're their best athletes is a PG position. The deepest right. position. It's, the, it's the toughest one. There's no nights off. And CP3 is still the one. You know he loves that challenge, too. Yeah. And he's doing that to where he had to, to carry. Like, when you look at Blake Griffin, when you look at DeAndre Jordan, they had their best years win. With Chris Paul? With Chris Paul. Chris Paul. And after that, eh, wasn't the same. Right. David West had his best years with Chris Paul. Yeah. Tyson right? Chandler. Tyson Chandler. I mean, even the Rockets' best year was when Chris Paul was there, okay. and they feel like they would have went to the, to the finals if he hadn't got hurt. Right. It's a, a different gear. But as you said, sometimes your, your height limits your ability to things and how you can really can affect the game because he can't lead the league in rebounding and stuff as well as assists, so it makes it different. But putting him with that young team – and they got an all-young court full of energy. I think that puts them top four in the West. Yeah. For sure. Think about it. what they came into the bubble and accomplished were the 8-0? Yes. Eight tough ones. 8-0. And that's without any real veteran leadership in the locker room. Now, great coach mm -hmm. in terms of being able to relate to players, the younger players. Uh, but no veteran, solid veteran leadership in the locker room. And these young boys came out there. When eight no, yes, it's a shame that they couldn't get a chance to mm -hmm. to you know get a couple more games and and actually make the playoffs. But you you can tell that being eight no and get getting sent home, that's going to leave a hunger in their stomachs for next year. And then you bring in Chris Paul, who's who also has something else to prove. Then they're going to be dangerous next year. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see it. And low key, Chris Paul in the Suns uniform is kind of fire. <laughs> if they get to wear that old uh, throwback, the one that Dan uh, Marley used to wear, if they get Dan. The, Thunder yeah. Dan. If they get to throw that out, the white ones. I might go buy one. I might cop that CP3 jersey. So. Hey, it's going to help that it's a warm climate for CP3 too. <laughs> Listen, yeah, that's good for the old heads, right? You get to wake up and out in that warm climate, your muscles ready. But when we talk about that now, we'll move to generational differences when we talk about greatness, when we talk about what makes a player great and, and who you define as being the, the head of that greatness. Like, what do you put there? And let's include coaches, too. Who am I, who would I consider the great guys, the great players now of today? Yeah, and how did you guys determine what was – 
what was worthy of being called great? One of the first things is um, how you dominate the game and how long you dominate the game. You know, typically in terms of like getting into the Hall of Fame, could we consider that probably the epitome of being um, one of the greats? You know, 10-year, I say a 10-year run minimum in terms of you being one of the top guys, at, you know, in the league or at your position, um, you know, box office, you know, because we all know the NBA is, is entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, because people want to come into the game and see things that they've never seen before on a consistent basis, things that they can't do, things that other people can't do. And, you know, are you that, that freak of nature, so to speak, or are you that guy that you may not have that freak of nature athleticism, but you're a freak of nature mentally. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant had. Mm-hmm. He was a freak of nature athletically, but he was also a freak of nature mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah, the mindset know? was different. You know, and uh, he put himself in certain situations mentally every day that, you know, you'd have to move mountains to overcome. And that's why he was so great in, in any situation. And so... In terms of picking, you know, the difference with the greatness now, it's instant gratification. We see a guy have one good year, and that one good year may be 30, 40, or a string of 30, 40 games, and he gets a $100 million contract, and all of a sudden everybody says, oh, he's great. No, he had a great run. Mm -hmm. He's not great yet. Now, if he continues that pace and he does it over a three-, four-year period – and the only thing that slows him down is maybe age, injury, something like that, then, okay, yes, he, had a, he could be considered maybe one of the greats. But we, we throw the word greatness around too much these days. So when you're off the top of your head, and, and not from this generation, but from your time, all that you've seen in your, your 40-odd years, who are the greats for you? You won't get to all of them, I know, but yeah, there's, you know, I mean, just, there's off, so just off the top. It's what you can rip off. You know, I want to say, you know, David Robinson is a guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Shaquille okay. O'Neal. Um, you know, I want to I name some people that some of the younger, younger guys, especially the ones that we coach, may not know. David um, Robinson. That's, a, that's, a, that's one right there. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Reggie Miller earlier. Derek Harper. Um, you know, Ron Harper. This is Ron Harper pre-knee injuries. People don't know that before Ron Harper joined the Chicago Bulls, um, he used to give Jordan some some bad nights sometimes. Yes. So Ron Ron Harper had the potential for that type of greatness, but the injury cut it short. Yes. He would have, of course, he's always going to be under Jordan. Yes, of course. But he had moments. He had some good moments where he was tough to handle. So he was going to take Clyde Drexler's spot. They would have been, they would have, it would have been tough. And yeah. then Clyde was a guy that I was going to mention because, you know, Clyde wasn't that skilled, um, but he was a guy you just couldn't stop. And he was an unbelievable athlete, you know, and, uh, you know, he could jump out the gym. You know, Akeem Olajuwon, you know, to my George Iceman Gervin, you know. That's your guy. That's my guy. That's you know, your he, guy. He was a bucket, a walking bucket. Never thought about defense, <laughs> but he was a bucket. You know, one of his old sayings was that I get paid – to score the ball. He played hard, though. He played hard on offense. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know, no, you know, Julius, Dr. J, Irving. Dr. J, now, don't just skip over that one. Yeah. Because I remember my uncle telling me how in Philly, whenever Doc was about to play, 
the whole hood would run into the house. Whoever had the TV set, everybody would be there, and they'll fix the antennas on the TV, tune the color, and and sit and watch Doc. Like he he saved the NBA. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, he was. Everybody thinks of Jordan being the the face of the league and taking the league to global heights, um, but Dr. J was the first guy that was. Uh, an African-American basketball player that was seen in everybody's household in the United States. And, you know, of course, Jordan comes along, and then when things come along a little bit later, they come along, they're, they're, they're better most times. Right. And so he took it to another level. But, yeah, Dr. J was incredible. And even though what he did in the NBA is incredible, if you could add on the, the things that he did in the ABA, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Let's, let's talk, talk a little bit about that ABA because – you know, I know you got. They had that red, white, and blue basketball, right? I'm sitting there <laughs> yeah. thinking it's like semi-pro, but um, what what was that like? Because we we'll never know a, a time where there are two basketball leagues. You know, that got different things going, and one is better than the other. But what was that ABA like, and how was that transition from ABA to NBA like? Well, you know, I was young then, of course. Um, you know, listening to my dad and um, you know researching certain things. The ABA was. Um, the alternative to the NBA for guys who wanted to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, guys who wanted to be themselves and and bring the entertainment value to to the game. You know that's why you saw all the guys in the ABA. They had swag, and mm-hmm. so you know those guys dressed with furs and minks and had Rolls Royces and things like that. And um, you know the 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 ABA was more about whatever you can do on the court. Let's do it times ten. Where the NBA was more a little more methodical. We're going to play a structured way, and so it held some people's games back. It um, sounds like it sounds like basketball segregation. <laughs> it's not like what you said was yeah. the brothers was over here. And but over no, here, no, no, over I mean, here no. Was there the, were the koozies. There were a lot of Caucasian guys in the ABA too that could play. Yeah, but their game had a little more swag to it. Gotcha. You know, like like pistol. Yes, yes. Like pistol so, Pete Maris. You know, over time, you know. With the the NBA having more TV contracts and more stable um, financial backing, um, they began, they were able to outlast the ABA and the ABA. You know they had to merge, and the you know a lot of the guys came to the NBA, but they came to the NBA a little bit later in their careers. Mm-hmm. Had they come uh, over earlier, uh, been a different ball game. The NBA really needed them though, didn't they? For they sure. needed those 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 figureheads like Doc and Gervin and all them. You needed some excitement. Yeah, you needed some excitement brought in. You know, because the ABA games, you know, it could be a game where it's 158 to 152. So you can imagine how exciting that is. You know, yeah. that's you know threes, dunks, and things like that. So uh, you know, it was just a different different type of game. And now the look how the NBA has evolved evolved, and uh, it's 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 entertainment. Although it's a lot of skill, yes. a lot of hard work involved, a lot of luck, um, because to get to that point, you know, everything's got to go right. For sure. Uh, but the NBA is at its highest right now, you mm-hmm. know, with the exception of the COVID situation or whatever. But the NBA is in a good place, and we know it's in a good place when guys average six points and make $10 million a year. I'm, Why are you hating, man? I'm not hating. I'm Come just on, pointing man. out a fact because yeah. you know when your Washington Wizards aren't making the Bahimi. playoffs, you're going you're to bring up somebody's name. You say, he's making $10 million a year. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's real. That's Doc got 
first of all, Doc got the coolest nickname ever. <laughs> right? It was it's so dope that now that Doc Rivers is in um in Philly, they like we gotta call him on his first name now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. How do you even get that? Like Dr. J is the coolest nickname ever. That's just so smooth. And he's still smooth. Like it just worked that way. He just smooth. How do you get Dr. J? How does that even come together? Iceman is dope and all. And but the, you the, just walk. You know what you got to do to become a doctor? Yeah, right. You got to <laughs> put some work. Yo, <laughs> and we just give we just give Dr. J that name. Everybody called him Doc and don't even think twice. But but the game was different then. Like, you know, yeah. we talk about the game. You had to earn nicknames, yes. and people that could really get it in got those names, and it stuck. Yeah. Think who's that's who part into, of your greatness too, right? Yeah, of course. You know, it's part of your overall yeah. swag. Yeah. Who in today's game? How many people have nicknames? Let's think about that. I mean, KD has two, right? Uh, but but you know, the nickname might be an Instagram handle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We really might be something. What you know? I'm calling. I'm calling KD Easy Money. Okay. Easy money. But you know, he had, wasn't he? Slim the, Reaper or something the, like that. The Slim Reaper, yeah. Durantula. Yeah, have, all those things. But those, those names don't like have yeah. any substance to I them. Mean, you know, we Mamba. Just, we just know, yeah, Mamba. Is, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one. That's a, that's a good one. It's, it's tough. But that the Mamba, that's kind of like when they were phasing out a little bit. I don't think of. You can't. It's tough to get somebody. You know what? Because we talk about greatness, right? And I said in the car last night that I think. Trey Young is going to be, and I'm only making this comparison because of their shooting ability. So people are naturally going to do this. And some people may say because they're both light skinned. So what? (laughs) But I think Trey Young is going to be better than Steph Curry. And I know, of course, we we appreciate the great that Steph Curry is. He had to open up the door, like you said, Doctor J opened up the door for um, for Clyde, for MJ, and then you know MJ takes it to another level. But Trey Young, because I think his Ice Trey, that's his name, Ice Trey. I think that's a dope one. I think that's dope. When we look at Trey Young, that's that next level of greatness that I see in the next generation. So Trey, Luca, D Book. Right, but I think Trey Young has a capability to be special, special, great. And I think if he gets into that same category as as Steph as he as, that he's in, I think he's gonna be more lethal, way more lethal already. I, I, you know, based on you know what we talked about in the car the other night, what I've seen, I told you before when he was leaving college, I like him a lot. Yes, yes. And he reminds me of a young Steph Curry. With a little bit more in his bag. Yes. Talk about that though. That that coming out of Oklahoma, he was getting a lot of flack because of the shots that he was taking. And a lot of times we look at those people in comments that don't really hoop or don't have any idea and don't understand that those shots he had to take. Right. <laughs> and that shot that he wanted to take, but he had to take. Even though it was a Big Twelve team, they didn't have necessarily Big Twelve players that were ready to play with a guy like. Like Trey, because Trey gonna get you the ball where you want it. Didn't even know you needed it, there, but you it's right there. Right. You gotta have somebody ready to go right to right. it and finish it. If if all five guys aren't on the same level and they're not on the same page, mm-hmm. then it comes. The coach has to make a decision. What are we doing to win? Mm-hmm. Because co- coach is thinking about his job, his job, <laughs> his coaching staff's job, his next recruits, and so. He did take a lot of flack for taking those shots, but 
you know, for everybody out there that's being a Monday, Monday uh, morning quarterback, you have no idea what his coaching staff was telling him, you know, and they're trying to win. And, you know, if you look at every game that, that they played, you know, whether it be televised game or whatever, he was a willing passer. For sure. It's up to you to catch it, one, put it in a hole, two. Or three, you have to make the next, the best decision to get the ball where it's supposed to be. But he was a willing passer, and a lot of his, a lot of his shots were end of the shot clock and things like that. So those are shots you got to put up, or it's just a turnover. So uh, he's a guy that, you know, he shoots the ball. Of course, he doesn't shoot as well as Steph, but he shoots the same type of shot Steph shoots at, at a high clip yes. effortlessly, and. His handle's a little different than Steph. Yeah, talk, you break that down. Because you, you said that earlier, and I understood what that meant. But, you know, for the Hoopers who, who don't. For, for everyone out there listening, it's not a knock against Steph at all. He's one of the all-time greats. But play, uh, Trey's handle's a little bit different in that he's coming off, whether it be a pick-and-roll situation, he's snaking the screen, or whether he's just breaking his man down, or coming down in transition, or whatever. He's coming down with a handle that he can, he's looking for the pass first or the next play first. Mm -hmm. And then he has the capability of getting his shot second. Mm -hmm. Where Steph is coming down, he's just an assassin. He's coming down. My handle is to get a bucket. Mm -hmm. so, so Trey is more of a traditional, he's more of a traditional point guard than Steph is. Steph is more of that hybrid guard where he can fit into that two-guard role as well. And that's why Draymond Green is so important for Golden State. And with that said, he still can average 28, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Like, so I see what I see from him is a Steve Nash type of orchestrator, playmaker, pick-and-roll, that pick-and-roll guy, Steve Nash type of guy. So when you give him Clint Capella and you keep Josh Collins around, and you have Cam Reddish, who I think is a potential all-star type of talent, and then you give him DeAndre Hunter, and you put some, you put some vets around and let him work, man, because he has to do something that Steph hasn't had to do, and which is carry an organization. Whether they're winning or not, you see him progressing and getting to another space. And I'm like, whew. Yeah. He's, the, he's the face of the organization, Yes, and he is – he doesn't have the luxury of having, say, a Hall of Fame guy such as Mark Jackson kind of guiding you through those early years. Yes. That, that means a lot. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, bet, I'm putting my money on Trey Young for sure. I think he's not one of those next greats coming forth. And I enjoy watching him play. I really wanted to see LaMelo be out there with them in, in, um, in Atlanta. And I hear they're trying to get Gordon Hayward. I don't know what that means hmm. or where that thing's going. But, but yeah, that's big. That leads me to a topic that we talk about with players all the time, and then I just sit with my guys and talk about it. A definition of who the best player is on your team. Sometimes we look at people who are most athletic as being the best player on a team, or even the best player in the league. So prime argument. A lot of people say the Joker is the best big man in the league. Right. That's because of his skill, him being able to, and numbers don't tell the full story. 
Yes. I think a, a young guy told us, you know, Joker has more triple doubles than Michael Jordan. <laughs> I said, so? <laughs> what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, that's cute. He's doing great. But Joker is extremely skilled, and he has to be extremely skilled. It doesn't make him the best big in the league because, and we're not going to include Anthony Davis in this conversation because he says he wants to be a four-man, so we're just talking strictly centers. Right? So with AD's out of this one just because of his preference. Best big man in the league, Shaq gives him, gives him a hard time all the time. Joel Embiid, big, skilled, <laughs> and he has what you always can't teach, right? That strength, that size, and athleticism. Only difference between him and the Joker is, is that Joker can't afford not to be in shape. Right. He can't afford to do those other things. But, right. you know, people, when they talk about who the best player is, you got to look at it objectively like, let's be honest. What do you got here? Out, out of those two, the best overall big man is Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. um, hands down. Uh, if they were one-on-one, of course, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be close. It just... Uh, Joker just he couldn't he couldn't match up and guard and be, they just couldn't and 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 B can guard him. Um, Joker does do a lot. He's very skilled, but th- that's the way his team is set up as well. He's allowed he's he has the opportunity to do certain things. And like you said, if he isn't so skilled, he may not be in the league. Mm-hmm. That's just being honest. But he, you know, he's worked on his body. He's got his weight down. He's added a couple pieces to his offensive arsenal. So he's he's he had a really good run this year. Joel Embiid, we know that there's some issues he needs to work on in terms of just being in shape and engaged all the time. But his moments compared to Joker's moments are not even close because Joker's moments, we say, okay, he's a really good big man. Those moments that Joel Embiid has had, we said he could be the most dominant big man since Shaq. And we haven't seen anything right. close to that in a long time. Right. And Shaq is one of those two to where Shaq, at times you may hear some people say Shaq wasn't that skilled. But then you will sit there. I, I watch old videos. I remember Shaq when he was light with the part. He was playing in Shazam and all. Was it Shazam or was it Kazam? One of the, was it Kazam? Was Either way, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. It was something for Genie. But Shaq was light on his feet, handling that thing. You were, he running the break. Yeah. He, could do, he could do everything. But, but the difference is um, Joker does those things all the time because he has to. Yes. You know, Shaq yeah. and Joel Embiid, they're the they can they're the old traditional big men where back to the basket, come down, dribble to the wing, dump it in, and go to work. And see, you add the element of the fact that Joel can face up. Right. Joel, he can pick and pop. You don't want him to rely on that. But he can pick and pop. He can pick and pop for pick sure. Pick and pop, shoot it, and then pick and pop, get you a shot fake, dribble around and windmill or something. Which right. is crazy. Right. It's crazy. But that's a top, that's a point to where you say. The best player isn't always the one that has the most skill. Because you may say that Joker has a little bit more skill just because you put him in a pick and roll and he's running the pick and roll. Right? It's a little bit more skill, but he's not quite the best player. Because the argument for me sometimes, 
you know, you still, I know you still say that um, LeBron is the best player in the league, correct? But I would, I would say, I wouldn't. It's hard to argue that, right? But it's tough for me when knowing that he has so many limitations offensively, and I'm not talking about um, like he, him not being able to score because we said already people can go and score whatever because they're professionals. It's the way it happened, right? You look at offensively, the package that KD has in comparison to LeBron. Woo! Well, it all comes down right? to what's, what's your different. impact on the game. Yes. I mean, if you're yes. if you're impacting, if there's ten categories, you're impacting eight of those those ten categories. You're dominating the game, mm-hmm. and so that's why LeBron is, in my book, is still the top player in the league because. Any category, any hole that you have that particular night, he's going to plug it up. For sure. And that's, that's pretty good. You know, we, we, going back to Embiid and Joker, the, this would be how you end this debate right away. What would happen if you switched those two? Mm-hmm. So Joel Embiid, we've seen him drop dimes. We've seen that. We've seen people pass at a high post, cut off of him. We've seen Ben Simmons catch lobs from him, things like that. You put him with that Nuggets team with all of that action and, and spacing. It's, it's, yes. I mean, we, he, could, he literally would average three, four more assists than he did. Now, you put Joker in Philly with the way they've been, the style of basketball they've been playing the last two or three years, and Joker could easily be traded in two years mm-hmm. just and because they're asking him to do things that – he can't do consistently. The so system, system doesn't fit. System either. system matters. Yeah. It's tough to to watch those things too. But that's a conversation like now when we talk about and we mentioned at the at the top of the pod about Anthony Edwards not watching basketball. But a lot of the generation doesn't watch basketball. We've mentioned it plenty of times before to where it's like you know, you don't watch basketball. So we talk about understanding why a player is successful or why they aren't successful. It's spacing on the court, you know, like understanding the game is a skill, right? Having IQ is a, is a skill. You talk about is a skill. Man, you talk about Ethan turning the ball over <laughs> eight times in a row, and you. I think you might have said something like, if you see something happen six times in a row, you continue to do it. You like, oh, that's crazy, right? So what about we add that to the fact that a lot of pros are that way too. To where they or and kids coming up just watching the game to where they they don't realize that as much as you do those dribble workouts, you gotta watch. It's the only way you understand is you gotta watch. It's a little and it's hard for older guys like myself to say these things because the younger generation always say you're hating. But I, I wanna put this out there. You know, we talk about the instant gratification. For NBA players to be in the NBA three, only three years, four years, and not really watch basketball, that's just because they're not in a position yet where the, they're hearing the chatter about their career maybe coming to a halt, and they've made so much money mm-hmm. off the break. Where it was back in the day, you know, three or four years, you were working hard to get that big contract. And so when things are just a tad bit easier for you to obtain, then you may not go the extra mile or dedicate yourself to your craft. 
And, and that's something that the younger generation, um, especially guys that don't have NBA-level talent, need to consider that for you to get to that level, you have to work extremely hard and go the extra mile. And you'll catch yourself watching older players or current players and learning stuff. And if you're learning something every day, you're growing as a basketball player, whether or not you lifted one weight or you took one jumper today. Man, that's, that's real. Because you said working hard continuously. And sometimes people will get into those, like I said, lip service to where they say, no days off, no days off. To where, yeah, you're in the gym all the time, constantly. But that's only one facet of the game. No matter what it is you're doing, where you're working at anything, you can't be one dimensional. Right. I know you, just like me, you always had the same label, a jack of all trades. A master of none, but a jack of all trades. Because I could do a little bit of everything. I could stick my finger. And because of that, I'm valuable. And I also know how to do some other things. But you got to spend time thinking the game as much as you watch it. I think that's the next level for the young talent that we have here in the UAE that are, that are coming and that will come to us in the future. Getting them to look at the game outside of that one hour in the gym yep. and know, you know that two, three hours a week. We're going to just look at it because now you're thinking different. Right. That's a whole different space. That's a skill of its own. We might have to start getting like no cards or something like that and start <laughs> posting around the gym like, look, listening is a skill too. Right. You know, watching is a skill too. That's not bad. You, you know, I, I wanted to, we talked about this a little bit off air because sometimes the OG gets all over the place and you don't know what he's going to say. We talked about Harden. We talked about Harden possibly going to the Nets. And, I'm, and I was saying that Harden has... You know, it's tough because he has two years left on that Rockets contract. So the contract, you know, is benefits the Rockets. So they don't have to trade him or any of those other different things. As I said before, I think I talked about it with you. That might be one of the few potential trades that I heard about that I'm not excited about. We don't know how that works. But a monkey could come in a wrench. You could throw a monkey in the game, a little wrench in the game. And what if... Just hypotheticals, just for kicking giggles, right? What if they trade Kyrie Irving for James Harden? If if that happens, that will that will let Kyrie know, that will let all of America know, all of the world that follows basketball that Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets management see more value in James Harden than Kyrie Irving for winning right now. Mm -hmm. That means Kyrie Irving was coming to Brooklyn because he's an outstanding talent. But James Harden's coming to Brooklyn if that trade does happen. He's an outstanding talent that's a little bit more than Kyrie, and he's a better fit. Because with Kyrie, great talent, never know what you're going to get inside the locker room. James Harden, outstanding talent and his locker room presence isn't as bad isn't as toxic as Kyrie so that would that would mean that um, Kyrie could have a wake-up call and you know what it could actually help him in the long run 
It will be interesting. And, of course, you can't just trade Kyrie for Harden. That's not an equal trade. It got to be Kyrie and, like, Dinwiddie and Jared Allen or something like that. But, man, I would much rather see Harden and KD back together. For me, <laughs> for me, and it's just me with my eyes thinking, imagine this is just entertainment. You talk about the ABA, entertainment, right? Imagine Harden goes to Brooklyn with KD. And they win a ring in year two because next year the Lakers are repeating. It's a wrap, no question. But they win a ring in year two. Now, that's two former OKC guys that got a ring. Well, three. So, Serge got a ring. Harden's going to have one. And then KD is going to have, like, his third. And then Russ is going to be somewhere like Charlotte or... Or D- Detroit, Serbia, Serbia. <laughs> we, and we love Russ as a, as a human. We're gonna be somewhere with no rain. Right. Can you? Is he gonna be as bitter as Isaiah Thomas is towards towards <laughs> Michael Jordan? Well, Isaiah, like, has- imagine that, King. Imagine that. That's that'll be nuts if that happens. I. I want to talk about Isaiah, man. That's my guy. <laughs> no, no, but at least Isaiah got two rings, right? True. He got two rings, True. but man, if. KD and Harden team up, and this is just just good entertainment. No, KD, KD and Harden team up. They trade Kyrie for some reason. They keep Levert, and then they win a ring. And then Russ got to end his career somewhere like Sacramento. Yeah, listen, West, uh, Westbrook's gonna be sick. Kyrie's gonna be sick. I mean, it, they just are. I mean, and it is what it is. That that'll be top. That'll be top five. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like man, that thirty for thirty action would be nuts. And you know, like I don't think they'll trade Kyrie because I think the team that they have now is prepared to win a ring anyway. But I don't think they'll trade him now. Well, I mean, not right now. You, I, you, if, tell if, the if truth James about Harden, how you feel. If Harden is on, if Harden is on the deck, you you're taking him. If but they you, want Kyrie, but they gotta. <laughs> Like you said, as superstars, you got to consult with them. So KD says, no, nah, you can't trade Kyrie. But we don't know. But if James Harden has publicly mentioned that he would like to go to Brooklyn, who's to say he and KD haven't had those conversations? Mm-hmm. And if I am Houston, the only trade that makes sense to me is getting Ben Simmons and sending him to, to Philly. But I don't think that'll happen because of Daryl Morey just leaving them and I thought he was going to be yeah, on vacation. Rockets management, they're not going to help him out. Yeah, yes, no. but I think that's the only thing that would make sense to me as a Rocket because that's a young guy that you can build a team around and he's young. But if if Kyrie gets traded, that'll be one of the funniest things <laughs> in years. Like, if you got to tell the truth about how you really feel about Kyrie too. You've been nice on him, man. Kyrie is nice, but Coach is one of those people that think he's crazy because he said the earth flat. <laughs> well, he said a lot of questionable things. I mean... He is a curious mind, man. That's okay. it. Okay. <laughs> it, but if you feel that way, don't... If that's really what you believe and you have... You, you're in the situation that Kyrie's in right now where he's um, one of the top players in the league. He's financially stable. Stick to your guns. Man. Don't go back and change anything and, and apologize for saying that you said it. Because if you truly believe that, stick with it. You know, if you were in a situation where you are, you know, uh, one of the 
the lower rung jobs in the NBA and you're just trying to hang on or something like that, okay, I can see you playing the game. You don't have to play the game. You're above that now. So stick with your gun. So I just think, yes, there's some issues there because I don't know how many people would say they want to be a true point guard. They want the opportunity to be a true point guard. They get that opportunity and then they don't become a true, they don't attempt to be a true point guard. And I'm talking about when he went to Boston Celtics. It was a rough situation, man. It was rough. It was, he had a lot of things to figure out, you know. It's a lot of young things over there. There's a lot of young, young horses over there that are coming to their own. So let me ask you this. Now that they have Steve Nash, Steve Nash, Omari Stoudemire, who else is on their Brooklyn coaching staff? D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni. And I think they might have hired like Royal Ivy. Royal Ivy, I think. Yeah. Yes. So now, do you think he develops into that point guard? I don't know. Because I, I'm, I'm conflicted because, one, you got Kevin Durant and his camp. And his camp is Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, and Royal Ivy. Royal Ivy's a Texas guy. So those are all his guys. You got Kyrie Irving over here and who? Kyrie's with KD, man. So, so, so anything goes wrong, which we know there's going to be bumps in the road sometime. Is Kyrie going to feel that he's left out of the mix a little bit? That it's, man, this is everybody's in KD's corner. If, something, if I do something wrong or something happens, is the spotlight going to be on me? See, I think they're friends, though, like real friends. So my question is on court. On court, how do you see him performing at his highest? Hey, you as a coach, where do you put him to be at his optimal performance? Kyrie? Kyrie. I'm with this squad right here. Minus Spencer Dinwiddie, because I don't think he's coming back. Losing Spencer Dinwiddie would hurt because I would have him um, more so be a facilitator. And, and See, I like I like Karis LeVert better yeah. than Dinwiddie. But he's not he can a, facilitate too. He's not a he's a bucket. Yes, he is a bucket, he's but I a, think he can facilitate. He's a too. number one option. His body, his mindset is I'm getting a bucket. I'll pass the ball, I run into a wall or whatever, but I'm more of a scorer first. Now, if he can transition into, into being that, fine. But Kyrie needs to be, at, for optimal performance, off the ball. unless he decides to change, man, off the ball, man. Oh, so Harden got to come then. Yeah. Harden got to come then. <laughs> they need a third superstar. That's <laughs> playing. No, but that's it. That's interesting. It's going to be a wild week. And it's only like two and a half, maybe three weeks it, until the first NBA game. Like yeah. Training camp start next week yeah. or something like that. So yeah. it's going to be a wild week. Hopefully we got time to catch up on it anyway. Right. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but, you know, it's, it's weekend for us. It's our only off day. So we're going to go out here and enjoy some of this sun, this nice hoodie weather with the just sunshine. Make sure, just make sure Ethan push record so we can get out of here. Yeah, I think he did today. He, okay. look, he was late today on top of that, which is nuts. Like, we supposed to finish recording two hours ago. You know, I'm, I'm missing my my son. My sunshine, not a kid. I don't have any children. I make sure I say that good. Um, but, you know, for everybody out there in the UAE that's tuned in, Hoop Mountain, DXB, Hoop Mountain Dubai, that's us. We have a winter camp coming up. For all age, for ages five to sixteen, information on our website. Check us out. It'll be fun. 
it'll be fun. Again, we're here to expand the game of basketball. So if you've never played basketball, that's fine. If you think you're great, that's fine too. We'll come show you, teach you some new things. Um, everybody is welcome. You follow us at Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram. Bridging the back, bridging the gap podcast available on all platforms. If you have our Instagram at bridging the gap underscore, you can find the link to all of the options there. Twitter coming this week. Is that right, Ethan? Give me a head nod. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We don't know. And then we have a new visual project that we're putting together. It's going to be nice for you guys. So tune in. Thank you guys that have started watching. It's cool to see it grow. I think we've had like a total of 200 views in our last our last three, four all together. So any any little thing, you know us, it's a marathon, not a race. So any type of growth is amazing. So we're thankful for those who are listening. Um, thank you guys for, that come and work out with us. Shout out to all our hoop stars. Stay tuned because I'm torching Coach again this week <laughs> and see what newest uh, excuse he comes with. Coach, you got anything to wrap us up with? Um, just real quick for our young hoop stars out there. Anything that you aspire to be, anything that you aspire to do in life, just be prepared to put that work in um, because the road to uh, your success is not going to be easy. You can have some good days, some bad days, but you got to be tough-minded to weather the storm. Absolutely. Be comfortable being uncomfortable because you understand yourself. Mm-hmm.